Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 134 in Edmonton. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. We are pleased to be joined on the line by our NHL insider, John Shannon. John, how are you doing? I think we need to send some Mediterranean chicken to D.C. How's that? Like John King needs any? CNN? <laughs> I think lots of people need Mediterranean chicken right now. I hear what you're saying. Uh, hey, just before we get started on a bunch of different topics, a uh, special shout-out at this time to Marty Forbes. Uh, for the listeners of the show who like the show but don't like me, uh, and I got a couple, and and I and I've got a couple people like that in our household here that listen to me wow. every day, and that's understandable. Uh, but uh, you can blame Marty because uh, Marty, Marty, we all need somebody to to campaign and help us. And Marty was uh, Marty and Bryn Griffiths and Carl Stark uh, were three of the guys. Greg Diamond was another one of those guys that helped me uh, me get started back in about 2002. So, uh, real good uh, broadcaster, uh, an Edmontonian, and a very passionate guy. And I know you know him as well well as long as we know who to blame so. uh, that's an important thing because yeah, these days trust, trust me trust me <laughs> <laughs> all right let's uh let's put on your executive producer television hat here what did you think of what it like because it is the number one story in the world you know a lot about like i love you know what i'm not a big golf fan i love watching the masters it's really well produced um I like watching the CBS football package for the uh, Southeastern Conference on Saturday. It's a well-produced show. What did you think of what you saw last night, uh, TV-wise? And some, you know, who was? And I know you. Did you mention John King on Twitter? I'm just trying to recall. No, I didn't, but I should have, and I could have. I tried to stay. I actually tried to stay away from anything political on Twitter because it's one of those ones you can't win anyway. I have no I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, I know you don't. I know you don't. Um, but, I mean, John King was remarkable to me last night. Now, their technology is so good that it, 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 it saves him at times. But uh, his ability to riff for 25 minutes uh, at a time uh, was, uh, was amazing. The one, the one thing I would say is just from a guy who... You know, I you know because I uh, you know I'm a self-proclaimed television expert, um, and and watched a lot and watched you know I, I think I watched five different networks last night. There were some things I liked, some things I didn't, but but the the reality was there was about a two and a half hour window where nothing was moving. There were no votes coming in. The balloting was was at a standstill, and nobody wanted to say that. And and this, so we were talking about updates here and updates there and. Arizona was at 76%, and Arizona was at 76%, and every time you went, Arizona was at 76%, 
And they didn't acknowledge that. And that's that kind of bothered me. But I don't know, again, the, the internal politics of how the networks deal with the, uh, with the states and, and the information. And do you want to... Do you want to mention that? Because I think that we we sat there basically in limbo for a long period of time as viewers, um, with with no numbers really changing, and and that 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 was the only major thing that bothered me. I, I loved uh, I watched ABC a bit. I loved their graphics. I watched CBS a lot. I hated their graphics. And there's lots of little things like that, but in the end, it's the flow of information. And, John King's flow of information was absolutely outstanding last night. Yeah. Uh, well, let's transition that into, you know, a thing you know very well, broadcasting sport. Do you want your broadcasters, if it's a crappy game, if it's a game where nothing's going on, and usually those tend to be lower-scoring games with not a lot of animosity, do you want your guys saying, man, this one's a, you know, the proverbial dog's breakfast on the air? No, I don't. I, I, I don't want that at all. I, I, you know, I always challenge broadcasters. If you have a Stanley Cup playoff game that is back and forth, and it's three to two, and, and there's hitting, and there's there's goals, and there's great saves, that's an easy night. That's an easy night. You know, you, uh, the, all of the research you've done, the information you've gathered, you don't need to use it because you let the game dictate uh, your excitement level, your analysis. And, you, and please, please do not force information into certain situations. Just let the game be the game. Uh, it's when it's 9-1. to one. Uh, and, and, you know, in those Oilers days, there were a lot of 9-1 to one games uh, at the Coliseum uh, that our announcers really had to work hard. And, and therefore, the production staff had to work hard to learn how to tell stories to make and keep people engaged in games. You know, I, 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 Bob, not, not to drag on, but I lament at times in my career the nights we did exactly what Oilers fans did uh, at, at the Coliseum, and that was take the Oilers for granted. We took the greatest, the, one of the greatest teams of all time for a long period of time. We took it for granted because they did so many things so well, and we didn't, we didn't really at times engage enough to tell people how great they were. We just said, oh, there's another play by Wayne. Oh, there's Messier doing what he does. Oh, yeah, sure. Gretzky to Curry. Boy, that's good. We didn't really do a very good job at times. I think we did at other times we did a great job. But I think there were times that we could have done a better job, particularly when the scores were lopsided. We'll go down that path a little bit more in a second. Today is the 33rd anniversary of Wayne Gretzky scoring his second-last regular season hat-trick for the Oilers, his 42nd of the 43 regular season hat-tricks he had in Edmonton. Uh, he has more hat-tricks, 50, in the regular season than any other player. Uh, Mario Lemieux's second at 40. Is Wayne, uh, by the way, uh, Alexander Ovechkin's at 20, I think 27 is what I tweeted out earlier today. Is Wayne Gretzky, look, we... He's got the most points of anybody. He's got more assists than anybody else has points. Is he the greatest goal? Is he the greatest goal scorer of all time? Uh, well, he has to be. He has more than anybody else. You know, and, and it, 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 you know, in my in my mind, it goes to the difference between Pete Rose and Joe DiMaggio. 
Um, and I, and maybe that's too simplistic. But Rose had more hits than anybody else. He was a he was a great hitter. But if you had a, if you had a single game, and you needed a hit, would you put Rose in the lineup or would you put DiMaggio in the lineup? My answer is I put DiMaggio in the lineup because I think the 56 game hitting streak is never going to be beat. Just as I think the 50 and 39 will never be beat. Uh, and I, you know, those of us that were in the building uh, that night in, in December of '82, that was that was as great as a spectacle of hockey and scoring and individual play that I've ever seen was the five goals against Philadelphia. So, uh, so uh, yeah, he is. He is the greatest goal scorer of all time. And until somebody scores more than him, he won't be. People forget he actually had four goals in the 38th game and then five goals in the 39th game. Yeah. You said you said something there. Like, as great as he is and as good as those teams were, do they not actually get credit? I, I mean, they, like this, and this is going to sound, this show's called Oilers now. Um, it's going to sound incredibly myopic. But they had seven Hall of Fame players on that team. Do they not actually get credit for how good they really were? I, I, I think they get credit now. I don't think they got credit at the time. Uh, and and, and th- that was because of the state of, of uh, communications and the media and television at that. We didn't have a – we had Hockey Night in Canada in our country. We didn't have a really good TV network uh, system in the United States constantly. I mean, the, the amount of acclaim that Wayne got away from the hardcore hockey world really is a measure of, of who he was. You know, whether it was a sporting news or sporting or Sports Illustrated or Time, uh, and, and when you could trans when you can transcend a sport like Tiger Woods did in golf, like Magic Johnson did in basketball, that's what Wayne did. Wayne transcended the sport. Uh, but that was one person. I don't think the Oilers as a team in the 80s get anywhere near the credit, I, I, at the time, anywhere near the credit they deserved. Uh, I think they do now. I mean, let's face it, we had the event at the Coliseum, or sorry, at Rogers Place, um, about the, the, the greatest team in NHL history because people have looked back and said, holy smokes, that was a good team. But I don't, I don't think at the time when they won the four cups in the five years, I don't think they got near the credit, both in, in, in particular in the United States, that they deserved. Yeah, it's funny because uh, do you follow Super 70 Sports? Uh, I, I, I see it every once in a while, yeah. He, uh, that individual has a real affinity for the Edmonton Oilers of the 1980s. Well, it's uh, easy, but it's, it's easy to now. Right. Because you can, you can compare those teams to... You know, the Islanders that, that preceded them, the Canadians that preceded them, the Penguins. You can even compare them to, to, you know, to the Blackhawks of the last decade. Uh, and you realize how, how good they were and how deep they were uh, and how, how strong they were at every position, Bob. Yeah. Well, it's, did part of it in the here and now was maybe some people thought the Oilers were a little cocky back in the 80s and there might have been some old schoolers uh, that were not fans of that? No, no, not at all. Because, I mean, when, when, the, when the greats of, our, of the media business came to Edmonton, 
they, they, or, or the Oilers saw them on the road. They, there was there was reverence between the two. I mean, I look at Red Fisher in Montreal. I look at what Danny Gallivan used to say and Dick Irvin used to say. Uh, the guys in New York used to love the Oilers. I, I don't think there was. I don't think there was anything like that. I, I, I just, I just think that you know, we, you know, when the Oilers played a Tuesday night game and Wayne got five points, or, or Yari got a hat trick, um, you didn't see it that night on TSN because you didn't see it that night on, on, on ESPN because we didn't have the ability to communicate that quickly. Uh, and I and I just think it was you know three days later. I mean, I used to in the early eighties. I still used to cut out the summaries from newspapers, Bob. You know, I mean that's how that's how different communication is right now. I knew a pro scout who once used to photocopy uh, print off players from Hockey DB not too long ago. But that's another story for another time. We are joined right now by John Shannon. All right, John. So this U.S. election thing still sort of. Decided slash undecided. And people say, well, what does that have to do with the NHL? We do have a significant issue with COVID. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Brian Lawton an hour ago. The league has had two years where they've had 48-game skeds. Does that not make the most sense if we get started up late January? Uh, well, it depends what the window is. You know, what, what, is the, what is the window for the league? Um, if, if we're talking about a, a February 1st start, and it has to be done by, for the sake of argument, the 15th of July, because that's when we think that uh, the Olympics in Tokyo are going to start around that time, um, then 48 to 54 games makes sense, sure. Um, you know, but it, but it, all, it also then reflects in the amount of revenue that, the, that is going to uh, come out of that. And is it going to be prorated? Are salaries going to be prorated? I mean, I, I, I mean, Gary Bettman's desire to have an 82-game schedule is for one reason: is that you know the, the revenues are at full-season numbers, not just for the teams, but for the players too. Um, and if if that can't be, because I don't, you know, and I, I don't think we can, and I, I think we have to have our, uh, we, we have to hope that by October of next year, of 2021 that we're back to normal and we have a 32-team league. So in order to do that, you have to make sure that there's a summer of, of, uh, of events, including an expansion draft, including an amateur draft, uh, that, uh, that we can proceed with. And, and so having it done by the 15th of July makes the most sense. So the 48 games, 54 games, whatever works, works. Is there the potential for wrenching the issue because of the seven on playoff teams and the belief that they might need a little bit more time because they didn't come back and play any summer hockey? And that I'm also hearing, John, that uh, the NHLPA wants at least 30 days notice before the players return. Have you heard anything at all on that? No? I, I, I haven't heard the 30 days. I, I The seven teams wanting time, I, I, I kind of giggle at, to be honest. Uh, because in the end, how many games did they really miss? Well, they some teams, some teams, eleven only or, three or four. Let's say for the sake of argument, they missed eleven or twelve. Right. So, I mean, the Detroit Red Wings season ended on the twelfth of March. It was going to end up on the fourth of April anyway. And whether the playoffs were in April, May, and June versus you know July, August, September. I, I I don't I don't see very much reason for that. I don't I, I think that that's 
that's something that says, hey, listen, if you if you were really if if it was that important to you, you should have made the playoffs. You should have played better during the season. I don't I don't have any sympathy for the seven teams. I really don't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we should keep this in mind. Are you hearing anything about venues in some centers starting to book concerts and events now for the spring and summer? So why not hockey? Well, I mean, the the the, the, the arenas that are booking stuff, you know, they're they've already been advised by the league to make sure that you have dates available. Right. You know, they can't be going and booking things. You, you have to, you're going to have to provide, in, in, in an old NHL season, you have to provide 50 dates. In an 82-game sp- schedule, you have to provide 50 dates to the NHL for for games. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that hasn't changed at some point. You're going to have to provide dates on cert- at certain times for a certain amount of games, whether it's a 48-game schedule, a 60-game schedule, or an 82-game schedule. And, John, I'll leave you with this. There have been times that Jack and me have received criticism, uh, especially from the hardcore fans. You talked about making things entertaining. As you know, there were some tough miles in past years here in Edmonton, and occasionally conversations would drift a bit in games in which Edmonton was down four or five goals in the third period. And that occasionally happened between 2010 and, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and sure. it is it is part of the process. Like when you're sitting there, I mean, if you don't want to uh, beat away on your team uh, when they're having a tough night, in, and we had, a, I mean, we had one month back in 2010-11, or was it 9-10? I'm trying to remember. Uh, one of the two years. The orders really, not winning. does it matter? Does it matter? Yeah. No, but the point is, they didn't win a game, and they had some ugly nights. And what you're saying is that is that is actually part of the function. Is you can't just sit there and focus and call. And I know it's radio, and you want the focus ninety percent on what's happening on the here and now on the ice. But mm-hmm. when the when the team's in that position, sometimes it's a little bit more understandable that you go down a slightly different path, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's, you know, I think I think that. There's a fine line of what the definition of all of our jobs are. Um, are we journalists? No, I don't think we are journalists. I really don't. Uh, I think we're, we're sports broadcasters, and I think there's at times a difference between being a journalist and a sports broadcaster. We're also supposed to entertain. You know, this is not just, uh, you know, uh, rip the heck out of everything and be negative. We're supposed to entertain. We're supposed to make people have fun. We're supposed to make people enjoy things. Uh, and it's it's and if you and if you watch and and the subtlety of it, Bob, is if you do it properly, the guy at home can still be critical of his hockey team, but and be entertained at the same time. And that's the real challenge: is how to make sure that you're fair, how to make sure you're entertaining, and how to make sure the guy at home is having fun and will say, "Hey, I'm going to listen again tomorrow." And that's what it's all about. Well, you know what? On that note, if I'm not fair and I'm not entertaining, it's all Marty Forbes' fault. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, then I'm not talking to Marty again. All right, there you go. Hey, John, thanks for your time. Have a good day, Bob. Yvette, our NHL insider, John Shannon. Again, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. and obviously, I'm going to be really intrigued to see where we go moving forward here with the hockey club. Uh, I do think the Oilers are going to be challenged to be as good on special teams as they were last year. Logic would dictate that's probably not going to happen. If you're listening to Oilers now right now, you're probably a fan of the Edmonton Oilers. I think most Oilers fans like 
the changes and the additions up front. Probably a little bit concerned in goal. Probably think the team's capable of playing better five-on-five hockey. And also recognize that Edmonton's going to be able to uh, potentially still make some moves uh, even before the start of the regular season, whenever that is. 154 in Edmonton, we're going to go to List Day and Oilers history, and we're not going to talk about the fact that back in 1987, Wayne Gretzky's 42, uh, 42nd career hat trick as an Oilers, 7 2 victory over the Rangers. Brendan, what do you got? Yeah, instead we'll talk about this day in 2001 when Tommy Sallow pitched a 20-save shutout as the Oilers blanked the Minnesota Wild 2-0 at the XL Energy Center. Anson Carter opened the scoring a minute 14 into the second period. That's before Dan Cleary tallied in the third. And it was Ethan Morrow getting into a dust-up with Jason Marshall less than five minutes into the game. Well, Jason Marshall was tough. Grant Marshall could really fight, who played for Dallas. He actually suffered a broken neck in his career, and he was a real good fighter for a guy that was a middleweight. Brendan, I'm going to throw this one at you. The Edmonton Oilers missed the playoffs in 2001-2002. Guess where they finished in goals against during the course of the regular season? They missed the playoffs that year. Guess where they finished in goals against out of the teams in the NHL? Wow, that's a tough one. Middle of the pack, somewhere 16th? Second. Wow. And they missed the playoffs that year. Uh, you know, Mac T had them playing real discipline. Tommy Sallow had a real good season, and the Oilers just missed. I mean, it was one of those years where they were like, you know, 8, 9, 10 in the West, and they were right there. Uh, but they just didn't have enough juice with the offense. Even in the 3 4 season, that was a pretty good team that just missed the playoffs. Then we came back from the lockout. And suddenly you've added Pronger and Pekka and the maturation of guys like Horkoff and Jared Stoll and Rafi Torres. And you've got some different weapons up front. Hemsky, you know, becomes goes from 34 to 77 points. Uh, Horkoff, 73 points. Stoll, 68 points. And obviously Pronger on the back end playing with Jason Smith. Absolutely uh, a number one pairing at that time. Tomorrow is one of the most popular shows of the week on Oilers now. We'll have Sportsnet's color analyst, Louis DeBrusque. Also from NHL Hockey on Rogers, Sportsnet's Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar. And George LaRock, did he actually say he wanted to fight Mike Tyson? Come on, man, really? Reed Wilkins says, inside sports tonight, what's he got shaken? Aside from yourself making another appearance, you'll hear from former NHL player and host of the Unfiltered Podcast, Matthew Barnaby, and from ESPN NHL reporter Emily Kaplan and Paul Sir of Canada Basketball. Yeah, Emily Kaplan does some really good work. Um, she's uh, a real smart uh uh, follower of the game right now, and she's all in as well when it comes to... You know, certainly flying the flag on behalf of hockey in general I'd, I'd recommend following her excellent follow and she's been on a, they got a couple of what's that show around the horn she's done pretty well on around the horn recently as well and does not shy away from difficult topics all right up next a global news weather traffic update with eileen bell followed by the 6 30 chat afternoons with jaylen nye we'll be back at you tomorrow so long everybody from oilers now oilers now with bob stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.